So we're reviewing the Sikha Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tamuz, Lakutta Sikhis Chelik Yud Ches. And the Rebbe begins by saying that the month of Tamuz uh, seems to have two opposites. On the one hand, it's a very sad month, the 17th of Tammuz, the fast day, which commemorates the breach of the wall of Jerusalem before the temple's destruction. Not only is it a sad day, but the whole month is identified with it because in the, in the Tanakh, it's referred to as Tzoy the fast of the fourth month. So the whole month becomes that kind of month. The uh, mirror opposite, uh, if you will, of the month of Adar, where the whole month is called HaChodesh HaShenepach, the month of joy. So Tammuz is, uh, when you think of Tammuz, you think of sadness and destruction. Conversely, in recent times, it was revealed the holiday of Geula, of Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz, the liberation of the previous Rebbe, which is obviously gigantic. Um, in our day, we realize that, you know, this is what saves Yiddishkeit. This is what brought Yiddishkeit to America and brought, and the rest is history. So it's a gigantic day, and clearly it was very, very miraculous. Previous Rebbe was slated for, God forbid, the death sentence and then, and then exile. I mean, the fact that he walked away after such a short imprisonment and then a, a nine-day exile is not nothing short of miraculous. It's not a big deal back in the Soviet Union to pull the trigger. Even when he was in Spalerke, uh, for that short period of time, he heard he heard gunshots all the time with people who were just shot and done away with. It wasn't such a big deal. When I was a Bacher, parenthetically, I went to Russia for, for Ezra Sachim. And uh, we were very, we were spent some time in Leningrad, uh, now called St. Petersburg. And we were very curious to see Spalerke and uh, to see that prison where the previous Rebbe was. And they advised us not to go because there was a group of Bachrim who went earlier and they walked down the block across the street and they got arrested just for walking down that block. And this is already in 1987, 88, when really the whole Soviet project was just a puppet. So this was serious stuff. And the previous Rebbe to walk out of that building and then to nine days later to go home and then eventually to be sent to America, et cetera. So it was, it's a huge miracle. Says the Rebbe, well, how do we have these two opposites? How do we reconcile? The same month is so bad, so good. Like make up your mind. You know, the month of Av is sad. The month of Adar is happy. The month of Nisan is miraculous. It has a theme. What's Tambos? Extreme negative. And then in very recent times, after 2,000 years of it being extreme negative, hello, it's the Chagagola, it's the big day of liberation, which basically is responsible for the whole Judaism of this generation. How do you reconcile this extreme conflict or, or uh, seeming a contradiction? By the same token, says the Rebbe, the name of the month also has that conflict. The name Tammuz is the name of, 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 of an idol. It's an idol that's born in Tanakh. So this is the lowest of the low. Conversely, in recent times, it was revealed in Chassidus. It brought down the Tammuz is the time when the sun is at its peak. And Api Chassidus, the sun represents Hashem, God Almighty. Not just Hashem, but Shem Avayat, the essence of Hashem. As the verse says in Tehillim, Shem is Hashem Elikim, that Hashem Elikim is a sun and a shield. And Hasidus explains that this is uh, precise, that there's two names of Hashem in the verse, Hashem Elohim, and there's two definitions in the verse, the sun and its shield. Because the sun we know is shielded uh, by the atmosphere that separates the sun from the earth, so the earth shouldn't burn up. Similarly, Hashem is shielded from nature by Hashem Elohim. 
because if we would have access to Shem Hashem, to the name of Ayu, the infinity of Hashem, we wouldn't be able to exist and feel ourselves as, as a Metzius, as a reality, as separate from Hashem, and therefore we wouldn't have free choice, and we wouldn't really exist. And therefore the name Elohim conceals Hashem. So the name Hashem represents the sun in the verse. So what is Tammuz? Is it idolatry, which is the total opposite of Hashem? Or is it to the other extreme? It's the peak of sunlight, which our Pichasidus means, the peak of infinity, of Hashem, Hashem Like, why do the two come together? That's the Rebbe's question in the Sikha. And says the Rebbe, the Rebbe gives two answers. The Rebbe gives a conventional answer, but then digs deeper. The conventional answer is, it makes perfect sense. Whenever there's a negative, it's in order to bring to a positive. So therefore, um, there is the theme of destruction, the 17th of Thomas. But why was the temple destroyed? Because Hashem doesn't like us. It was destroyed because because of our sins. We needed to be cleansed and we needed to have golos and etc. And therefore, it's, it's, it's for our own sake. So it's very sad, but ultimately its purpose is to lead to giula. You know, think of any parent who's punishing a child uh, who did bad, and the purpose of the punishment is clearly for their own sake. And therefore, uh, it makes sense. You know, if you visit somebody and you see him punishing the kid, and then you see him a couple of hours later hugging the kid, are you going to say, what's wrong with this picture? It's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction at all. It's a parent who cares about the child, who loves the child, and the punishment itself was only for the purpose of leading up to the hug, leading up to the benefit of the child. And therefore it makes perfect sense that the month has these two opposite themes because they're really one linear flow, pain and, and suffering in order to cleanse us, to bring to healing and redemption. Think of a medical example, God forbid you take a child who's not well to a doctor and he has to be healed, maybe he has to go through a surgery, all kinds of painful things, they're painful. However, ultimately the child knows that the goal is to get the kid to come home free of the illness. And therefore, this is the flow of a healthy parent-child relationship, uh, of a healthy relationship of Hashem to us. There's bad and then there's good, because the bad is leading up to the good. And therefore, it makes sense that we have the month of time as the theme of fasting, and then the theme of redemption. Not unlike, says the Rebbe, parenthetically, the month of, uh, we, we have uh, Tisha B'Av, we have the month of Av, which is a sad month, which is a sad month, and yet, um, we have in the month of Av, we have Tisha B'Av, doesn't get lower than that, and then we have Shabbos Nachemu, comfort, or the 15th above. So we see how this, this makes sense. We have Tisha destruction, both temples, all the Tzuras, and then we have a couple of days later, Shabbos Nachemu, a Shabbos of comfort, and God tells us through the prophets, Nachemu, Nachemu, be comforted. Is it a question how the two come together? And then followed up by the Chamisha the 15th above, which is such a great day of Simcha, and whatever it represents, Jewish continuity. Did anyone ever ask, how do the two go in conflict? It's not a conflict at all. Tisha B'av is, is sad, but not because Hashem has, hates us, but because he loves us, and therefore he's cleansing us and bringing us to the comfort that follows. So that's the Rebbe's 
initial answer to this problem. Then the Rebbe digs deeper. By prefacing and saying that if this was the case, uh, uh, this was the case that in the theme of Tammuz, it's just A leading to B, bad leading to good, then both should have existed at the same time. Why did Hashem wait two and a half thousand years, two thousand years between the bad and the good? They both should be standing simultaneously. Just like as soon as Tisha B'Av took place, immediately the prophets started telling us Nachama, and we had Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, and we had the 15th, we had the 15th of Av. And throughout all the long history, the long Golos, the two stand together. This Taka Tisha B'Av, but we have the comfort. So we understand that Hashem's really doing it to lead us to the Giyula. Here, in the month of Tammuz, we don't have the two side by side. For 2,000 years, all we had is the negative. And only in recent times, in tough Reish Peizayin now with the previous Rebbe, do we have the positive. So there's something different about this message. There also throws in, and by the way, it's also out of order. The 17th of Thomas is later in the month. Yud based Thomas is earlier in the month. If it's supposed to be the bad leading to the good, like Tisha B'av leading to Shabbos Nachamu, it should have been the good, the Yud based Thomas, so to speak, following. Uh, the, the this fast day and it's backwards so we have the fast day and then we preface it with the geula so there's something different about this message says the Rebbe which is forcing us to re-examine it and not judge it just as a regular story of you know uh, first it's dark and then it's light first it's bad and then it's leading up to good for the sake of good something more than that So the Rebbe now digs deeper and the Rebbe explains to us that we can view the tzaddis, the challenges, the pain and suffering of life of each of us and collectively the Jewish people of the world, etc. in two ways. One is the aforementioned, that it's all there, of course, for our benefit, but in and of itself it's bad, but it will later lead up to something good. That's one. Comes the Rebbe and says that chassidus teaches us there's a deeper way to look at it. From Hashem, nothing bad can really come. On a deeper level, even when it's bad, it's good as well at that moment. Not just it's bad, but leading up to good. But it's really good, even though on the face of it, it looks bad or even terrible. But it's beprimious, its soul, its core is good, even during the bad times. Even though it will only be revealed later, as revealed good much later at the end of Gullus, when Mashiach comes. But even when it's bad, it's really good as well, which is an oxymoron. How could that be? How can bad be good? So perhaps it could be understood in this fashion, that uh, if, if, some, if someone goes through a bad period in life, painful period, and then it passes and they get beyond it. There's two ways to look at that. There's two, two responses. One is that, you know, I wish, I'm glad that I got through the bad and I got to the good. But if I could wish that it would never be here, that would have been even better. The second response is that at times we go through a troubling time and we, we get past it and now we say, now I'm much better than I ever would have been had it never happened. It's like the previous Rebbe said regarding his imprisonment. He said it was terrible. I would never wish it, but I'll never give it up. Why well, would never give it up? 
And the answer is because if you, you went through something bad and then you survived it, but you'd prefer it never happened. But if you went through something bad and you thrived from it and it brought you to a whole new place, as apparently in the case of the Frida Kareba, as it ever discusses, in fact, it was a tremendous setback, a tremendous imprisonment, which was life-threatening. It was nothing for them to pull the trigger, Rahman al-Islam. And, and he was away from the chassidim and a, a tremendous pain, begashmas physically, spiritually. But yet it brought a revelation of Taita and chassidis that's way beyond that was before. It's not like he just reverted back. He went through a struggle and then we cleaned it up and we're back to where we were. We're in a whole quantum leap. Yiddishkeit is, is a whole new day. And Afatsas Amayonis, et cetera. And therefore, similarly, we can each think of it in our lives. You know, God forbid somebody is not well. So you take the child to the doctor and it's painful. There's medication, there may be a surgery. All these things are bad. However, being that the child is sick and you love the kid, so you're going to give them the pain of the surgery to bring to the goodness after. And now the kid walks away healthy as they were before, hopefully. And it was worth the whole pain in order to get you to there. But if you can wish it away, the kid should never be sick. That would be ideal. But at times, and this is what the Rebbe is challenging us to try to envision, at least in faith, to understand that really this negative is gifted by Hashem to bring him to a whole new place. And at times we see it, that people go through huge setbacks. They get When they get through them, Hashem, they're not in the same place they were before. They're in a whole new place. They look at life differently. I mean, this is a detail that anybody can fill in the blanks in their own life. You know, you talk to people who went through, for example, tremendous challenges, let's say financial, or let's say relationships, let's say, God forbid, a marriage was on the rocks. On the rocks. And you got through it. No, but at times you didn't get through it. You came to a whole new level in the relationship, a whole new level in your own maturity. Same thing, a person goes through a medical issue and now they look at life. They look at their loved ones. They look at their shlichas in life at a whole different level. Because they've faced adversity, no one would ever ask for it. However, at times, if someone has the right attitude, the right amuna, God spare us from this. I always tell them, don't test me because I'll fail. But those who are strong enough for the test often get the test. And when they look back and they say, are you kidding me? Almost verbatim of the Frida Kareva. I would never ask for it. I wouldn't wish it on my enemies. But in hindsight, I'll never give it up because I'm a whole new level person. I'm a whole new level person with this new relationship or new outlook on life, having overcome the challenge, be it personal or relationships or financial or health-wise, etc. And therefore, says the Rebbe, and these are all examples that I'm giving, you know, so to speak, uh, taking license to try to make some sense of the of the sikha. I've discussed this with numerous chassidim. It's a difficult, it's a difficult message to truly comprehend. But says the Rebbe, when we look at the Gullahs, when we look at our challenges, being across from the Ebishter, it's all good. And not that it's good going to lead, it's bad going to lead to good. It is good in and of itself. How can it be good? Because Hashem is only good. It doesn't look like it because it has a facade of pain and suffering. But ultimately, even now it's good because it's leading us to a greater good. And therefore, within this, let's call it Gevura, within the, in this Din, this harshness that Hashem is treating the person with is hidden a greater love. Because we all know tough love is much more difficult for a parent to give than ordinary love. 
when a child is messing up and destroying their life. You know, as a shliach, you often deal with people in recovery, for example. Which to me, the people in recovery are giant people. They have to dig deep and find tremendous keiches. So when, when a, let's say, a teenager or a young adult is going through such a thing, and the parent has to have tough love at times and not let the kid come home. I mean, it's, it's, it's against human nature. And they say, Rabbi, how can I do this? It's impossible. My kid is suffering. But the advice of professionals and counselors is that at this moment, you need to turn your back. It's impossible. It's, it's like Hashem destroying the base of Migdash. You're locking the door on your child. But to do that, you have to dig deeper and find a much greater love to your child, a love that's so powerful that you're able to go against your parental instinct and give the child toughness because that's what you know is what they, what's critical to them. So therefore, right now in the bad, you're really experiencing a deeper good. And to follow through with that analogy, often a person in recovery and I've seen this with my own eyes, dealing with people. I call these people my mashpiyim. I, I call them my, I look up to them with tremendous admiration. And after they come through it, I mean, it's, no one's ever through it. Addiction is a life a sentence. But they master it, Be'ezer Hashem, and they, one day at a time, and the whole thing, and they, they, they become giant souls. Because the truth is every year that every person is a giant soul. But they were forced to find it, to find the inner keiches, to find the soul in order to overcome this huge demon. And now they're a different person. I mean, I, I don't want to give details, but in my line of work, I see this all the time. People have gone through serious legal issues. And they're a whole new person. They're a different husband. They're a different father. They're a different yid. They're a different human being. They look in the mirror for the first time and they're comfortable by what's looking back at them only because they went through a challenge. And therefore, ultimately, it's not just that it's bad leading to good, it's bad leading to better. The word bad and better could be the same way if you don't know how to spell. Okay. And this becomes what the Rebbe wants to say in the Sicha, that Tamus, it's not just on the simple level, the fast day leading up to the Geula, but really the fast day itself is good. And the Rebbe gives another example, and, and therefore says the Rebbe, the Rebbe gives another example of this, that Tishabov is called a holiday. It's called a Moyed, a Yomtev. It's a verse in, the, in Lamentations in the book of Echa. And that's why we treat it like a Yomtev household. We don't make Kiddush and eat flesh and, and fish. But we don't say the Tachlan, the confessional prayers. We treat it like it's a Yomtev. It's very strange. It's the saddest day of the year. Well, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a yamtif. These sad days will turn into days of joy and holidays. And therefore, even now, because scripture, Teda calls it, Tanakh calls it a mayid, a holiday, we treat it as such in a practical level as well in halacha that we don't say that. The question is, how is it now a yamtif? Or the flip side question is, why is it a yamtif when Mashiach comes? If Tishabab is a bad thing, it brought about the Chorban Beis destruction, even though it was because of our sin. But the reality is it's bad. Then when the Mashiach comes and the Beis is restored and rebuilt, so we're back to square one. We've survived it. But make it into a holiday. We should go from ordinary to painful, back to ordinary. Says the Rebbe, no. That the pshat is, why is it a yamtiv when Mashiach comes? Because it's a yamtiv now too. He, when Hashem came, he was showing the tough love. And in it was tremendous love. We know all the Midrashim that the, the Kruvim were hugging each other like, 
which is a representation of Hashem's intimate, deeper love to the Jewish people. It was really coming out of tough love and it was really there to greatest, not from bad to good, from bad to better, to bring us to bleakful goodness as the Rebbe writes in his diary that we, even as a child, I envision how good the, the Gula will be to justify all of the tzadahs. This is there not so we should survive and now we'll cleanse some sin and bring us back to where we were before. Even the sin itself is orchestrated by Hashem to bring us to a level that we can never come to without this challenge. And therefore, it's all about love. It's all about deeper love. So the minute Tisha B'Av starts, it's a festival. It's a, it's a Gilea Lakus. It's an abundance of goodness, however, garbed in tremendous pain and suffering. And then when that garb of tremendous pain and suffering is removed, you're left with the Yantif. So therefore, it doesn't become a yamtiv. Then it was always a yamtiv. That's why it makes sense that it's celebrated when Mashiach comes as a yamtiv, and even now observed in some fashion as a yamtiv by the fact that we emit the tachanim today. Because even now, from day one, the destruction and everything about it was really a yamtiv, a gift in a painful garb. It's the tough love that the parent gives to bring out in the child healing, and not just healing to where you were before, but healing to an infinitely greater place. The Rebbe gives another hint in Teda to this theme of how the bad is good, not leading to good, but in itself embedded in it and its core is good. The concept of Atbash, there's a concept that's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, in the Torah, I believe, that, uh, that uh, there's a way uh, hinted in the Hebrew alphabet called Atbash where the letter Aleph and the letter Tuf, the first and the last letter are interchangeable, the letter Beis and the letter Shin, Gimel and Reish, etc. We know the Torah, the Hebrew alphabet is, is perfect, it's holy, it's, it's, it's an infinite wisdom. And there are many ways to read it, including the gematria, the, the numerical values, and, and Rosh Tevis and Seyfi Tevis, allegory, you name it, uh, all kind of acronyms, etc. And one of the ways is Atbash. So it's brought down that Atbash, Hints, if you want to know when a Yantif is on the calendar, you, you start from Pesach, which is the main holiday. Aleph is the first day of Pesach, will match up with Tuf, Tishabot. Every year, the first day of Pesach will be the same day as Tishabot. At Aleph Tuf, Beis, the second day of Pesach, will line up with Shin, with Shibuos. Gimel, the third day of Pesach, will line up with Reish, Rosh Hashanah. Adala, the fourth day of Pesach, will line up with Tzadik, which is Tzom, which is the fast of Yom Kippur. And it continues. I believe it continues further. So what did we say here? At the first day of Pesach, the pinnacle, the peak of redemption, the beginning of all goodness of the Jewish people, lines up with what? With Tisha B'Av. <laughs> yeah. Because really, in essence, that's what Tisha B'Av is. It's not bad leading to good. It's essential goodness albeit garbed in, in terribleness, to reveal an infinite goodness, which is impossible to come by otherwise. And not only it will later be revealed, but even now it's there. That, as mentioned before, the tough love and the other ways that it is uh, relatable and expressible. So now that ever goes back to answer the question that we said, now that we understand, we're going to look at the month of Tammuz, that the really that for 2,000 years, all we knew was the sadness. We didn't know the Geula of Yud-Based Tammuz until now. Why are we kept in the dark? 
And the answer is because the message is that even the bad is good. If they would both be side by side, we'd say the bad is bad and the good is the result. No, for 2000 years, all we had is this Talmud as a sad mom. To point out that all that sadness is all good. And that's why as we get close to Mashiach, when that essential infinite goodness becomes revealed, it's starting to see a glimmer of it, and that's your base Thomas. Much in the same way as the other dichotomy that I pointed out earlier of Thomas, that it's a name of idolatry. And then suddenly in Hasidus, in the later generations, just before ready for Mashiach, Hasidus says, you know what the sunlight means? Thomas, the greatest light of Hashem. That too, they waited a couple thousand years to talk about, because these are revelations of Mashiach. When this infinite light is revealed, and until that time, it's only seen as darkness. But the point is that in the, in the core and the embedded in the darkness is the light. And therefore, all we had is the one column for the duration, because the one column itself contains it. And now we're starting to get the message. We're starting to get the memo through the base Thomas and etc. that really it's essential goodness. And therefore, it's a goodness that, again, will not just clean up the bad and bring you back to square one, but it'll bring you to square a trillion, to infinity. And says the Rebbe, that's why, that's exactly what happened to Yubis Tamos. It was a tremendous darkness. But Rebbe, to go through such suffering and everything that, the repercussions from it. And what came from it, not back to square A, but Hafatah Samayanis, he came to America and conquering the world with Yiddishkeit. The Rebbe even says in passing that so much so, that what? That this darkness is really light bringing to a much greater light. So much so that even one of the days of the darkness became a holiday. And the Rebbe is referring to Gimel Tamas. Gimel Tamas is one of the days of the darkness. The darkness essentially is from when he was arrested, which is Tesfab Sivan, until Yubis Tamas. Because in that whole period, he was, he was under arrest. But in the middle, there was a day called Gimel Tamas when he was freed from actual Spalerka prison and sent to exile. And by Hasidim, it became like a Yantif. Because the Rebbe was freed, even though they didn't have him back, but he was freed from his danger of suffering and perhaps the danger of life was maybe lifted. We didn't know what would happen at the time, of course. But it became by many Hasidim, certainly by the Rebbe, it was a big yantif that the previous Rebbe is now not in danger of Spalerke. And the suffering that it, it was about is a much lighter uh, pain and suffering being in the exile. So Gimel Tamas becomes like a yantif, even as it's in the middle of the, the period of that darkness. So the Rebbe writes in the Sikha that that is a symbol that darkness itself is the greatest light. That one of the days of the darkness is a Yantif. Well, many Chassidim wouldn't say Tachin when Gimel Tamas. It never became official because the previous Rebbe was not really freed until Yud Beis Tamas. That's the official Yantif when we don't say Tachin, Yud Beis Tamas, Yud Gimel Tamas. Gimel Tamas, back in the day, at least before our further darkened Gimel Tamas, was considered on a personal level by many chassidim as a yantim, and the Rebbe, our Rebbe, as a chassid of the previous Rebbe, referred to it as a really a greater, more joyous day for chassidim than Yud Beis Tammuz, because Yud Beis Tammuz is the day the Rebbe was happy, the previous Rebbe, that he can help the chassidim and, and be with them. But Gimel Tammuz is the day that he was out of danger, so to speak, and he was suffering less, and to a chassid, that's what counts more. So Gimel Tammuz, his dark time becomes a great joy. And that becomes the theme of the sicha and how the Rebbe wants us to see the Golos, and how the Rebbe finishes the Sikha by saying that a person is living in the later times of Golos, and he feels the bitterness, and he feels the loneliness, he feels that like God has forsaken us, and everything else. He needs to know not only will we come to a great Geula, 
And you can't help but think of the Rebbe's entry into his diary. That from the time I went to Cheder, even before I started to envision how amazing the world is going to be, that it's going to justify all this unimaginable suffering. And what the Rebbe is referring to, I believe, is this theme. Now it's going to make up for it and we'll be back to where we were and we won't have sin, we'll be cleansed. Because of our sin, we were exiled. And now we're cleansed. Really, it's hardly a cleansing, the suffering we went through. It's way beyond. Isn't it a little bit exaggerated for a cleansing? It's not a cleansing. It's going to be, bring us to infinite, infinite goodness. Hashem's essence will be revealed. I mean, it's a whole different level. And the Rebbe is writing it in his diary as a child. He started envisioning. It's got to be. It didn't make any sense to, to, to the young Rebbe as a child that this could just be a makeup of a punishment to get us back to square one. It's not. And therefore comes along the Rebbe in this Sicha and says, when you're getting down and feeling lonely, Hashem has got forsaken us, understand that right now it's love. Not it will be love. It is love. As per the Ariches, the aforementioned explanations of the Sicha. And that's why the Rebbe instituted that even in the three weeks, which you're not supposed to make parties, and the nine days, you should look for excuses to celebrate by making a seum, finishing a tractate of the Talmud and celebrating, or by studying and by studying the laws of Beis Hamikdash and starting to prepare and envisioning and living with the Beis Hamikdash, even at the lowest point. Someone might say it's not appropriate. Let's finish mourning the Beis Hamikdash and then we'll talk about rebuilding it. No, during the three weeks and the nine days, the Rebbe instituted that Hasidim and Yidin should learn the laws of the Beis Hamikdash and live with that, with that future, because that future is now. The bad is good, the bad is better. The purpose and the panemius, the essence, the core and the soul of all the Gaulus is the future ultimate Beis Hamikdash on a whole different level, as explained. You know, people on a, on a higher pay grade than mine would probably venture to say that our Gimel Tamas fits into this picture as well. Right now, it's the bleakest thing. No one can imagine we're living a generation chassidim without a physical Rebbe, and it doesn't make any sense. However, the fact that it happened on Gimel Tamas and the fact that it happened, it can't be all bad. It's impossible. And as we see, in many ways, chassidim feel closer to the Rebbe. Chassidim and Chabad and everything in Yiddishkeit is growing more than before which is not such a surprise to us because even in Tanya, in, 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 in the Geras HaKadosh, when he speaks about it, the passing of a tzaddik, that this unleashes his essential powers and suddenly it's out of control. And we see it in our time in a very real way, how we and our children and our grandchildren feel close to the Rebbe as before, and maybe more so, even in spite of the darkness that we, we don't see it. So this is not to justify it in any which way. The, this, the loss of a tzaddik is considered akin to the Chorba Bishamilash, Perhaps, and I, I don't think it's a question, that this is here to empower us, as the Rebbe writes clearly in this sikh, if you're looking at Sefer, Helek Yud Ches, it's page 315, he speaks about Gimel Tammuz as a, as a dark light day. So I guess uh, I, we'll have to wait and see. We'd rather talk about that once we already see the light of the Geula together with the Rebbe very speedily. I want to just say in closing, and this sicha, it's a very difficult sicha to understand and even more so to embrace emotionally. That suffering is good. You know, they tell the story that there was a rabbi who was very prone on talking about the subject. He would give, he was very good at talking about the fact that a person should accept suffering with the same joy as they accept blessings. In fact, it's a, it's a mission in Masech Tabrachas 
You should thank Hashem for the bad as you thank for good, because it's all from Hashem. It's all good. Whereas explained in Tanya, it's even a greater good. Whereas explained in this sikha. So the story goes that this rabbi, this particular rabbi, he would often preach that subject. And one day, he suffered tremendous financial losses. All his, sh- his ships at sea sunk. He was a well-to-do rabbi, apparently, and he had some ships. And the chves, the warehouses burnt up, and all kinds of losses. So they wanted to notify him. So they came to him and they said, explain to us how you're supposed to accept bad news as if it's good news. He says, you're supposed to. Something terrible happens. You should dance because it comes from God and it's really good. So they said, if that's the case, Rabbi, you should start dancing because your ship sunk and your warehouse burnt down, whatever it is. This is before the days of insurance. Well, you're basically ruined. So stop dancing. It's wonderful. <laughs> and suddenly he fainted. And they, they, they revived him. And he said, what happened? You're always so good at preaching how it's all wonderful. And he said, yeah, but suddenly it's not so wonderful. When it happened to you, it's not so wonderful. So it's a very hard secret to embrace, a very hard theme. It's almost impossible. I was sitting at the oil this past Shabbos, Kimmel Tamas, and learning the secret. And across from me was sitting Rabbi Wahlberg from... Manchester, and I said to him, how do you make peace with this, with this theme on, a, on an emotional level to embrace it? And he shared with me a word that, that it said that Yitzchak, Avinu, Isaac, our father, our patriarch, was blind. So it's brought down that it's from the tears of the angels while he was lying on the altar. But there's a language in Chazal in our sages that the angels in heaven opened up the window from heaven to earth. They looked down, they saw Yitzchak Avinu Isaac lying on the altar, ready to be butchered. And they cried and their tears went into his eyes. So the question is asked, said Rabbi Wahlberg. He made sure to tell me that this is not his own word, that he heard it from someone else. Uh, the question is asked, why did the angels have to open the window? Angels can't see what's happening on earth. They have to open a window from heaven to earth. They're angels. So he says like this. In heaven, everything's good. The binding of Isaac, they take him, they put him on the altar, they put up a fire. It's not a problem. In heaven, everything is good because in heaven, every, they see the purpose. In heaven, the past, present, and future is the same. So in the middle of Auschwitz, Mashiach also came. All time is folded into one infinite moment. There's nothing really bad. So in heaven, the angels seeing Isaac's binding from their perspective, there's nothing bad. But when then they said they want to open the window, let me see how it's viewed on earth. In the world of time and space, and then they started to cry. And he shared with me another part. I believe in the name of Yossi Jacobson. That it says by Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, like any Rebbe, who's there to empower us with faith, even in spite in the face of tremendous tragedy, which the Rebbe clearly did as well. At the same time, the Rebbe, the shepherd, the Moshe Rabbeinu, always protests against pain and suffering. The Rebbe has famous sicha when Moshe asked Hashem, when he was resisting to take the job as the leader of the Jewish people, he asked him, what's your name? Tell me your name. And he said, I will be what I'll be. And the Rebbe says in a sikha, which I remember hearing, I believe it's 1984, Tashim Hamdal, And the Rebbe says that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem, what's your name? What is a name? A name means an expression, a, a behavior. 
what kind of behavior is this? For 200 years, the Yidin are suffering, and now you come along and you tell them, you love them, you're the God of their fathers, you're going you're gonna to give them the Torah, they're the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread. How did you watch the children get built into the bricks and thrown into the Nile for 100 years? What's your name? What kind of business is this? Moshe Rabbeinu, with all his faith, but he doesn't want to deal with this. He doesn't want the job to try to present this, this, the economy, this, this seeming contradiction. Hashem tells him, I will be with them. The message is, I, I can't tell you the answer to, to human suffering. That's going to be a mystery till Mashiach comes. Because if I tell you, you'll stop protesting, which that's not the plan. However, you should just tell them, I'm with them in the suffering, which reflects the theme of the Sikha. I, I, this is the deeper love, so to speak, I guess. I remember the Rebbe saying it then with tremendous passion, like uh, you felt like our Moshe Rabbeinu screaming to Hashem. So Rabbi Wahlberg tells me this word, that it's famous, that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he saw Hashem for the first time by the burning bush, Hashem called him. And he didn't look at Hashem. He was afraid. He was afraid to look at Hashem. It's brought down that later when Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu asked to see his face, this is after the Chet Egel, and Hashem atoned for the Egel, for the golden calf, and Moshe felt a moment of closeness. So he said to Hashem, show me your glory, I want to see your face. Which is explained to me, and he wants to know the answer for you and suffering, and for the gold. And Hashem said, no, 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 you can't see, you'll see my back. With all of the interpretations, we see it in hindsight, you'll see it one day. You saw the knot of the tefillin, which represents tshuva. You can't see my face. So the, the Chazal tell us, Hashem said to Moshe, When I wanted to show you my face at the burning bush, you didn't want to look. So now when you want to look, I don't want to show you. What is the meaning? It sounds a little childish, but this is how it's explained in Chazal, however the Pshat is. So the word that Rabbi Wobik said to me was, why did Moshe not look at Hashem at the burning bush? Why? So he says, the language of the text is, He was afraid to look at Elohim. The name Elohim is chosen. Elohim is the name of judgment and uh, suffering. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew right then and there that even though the Yidin will suffer, like a burning bush, they will survive it. Because the, burn, the bush never got burnt up. Moshe, a shepherd of the Jewish people, is afraid to face this truth of Shem Elohim that there's going to be judgment and pain and suffering, even though it's for our good. We'll celebrate it when Mashiach comes. Until then, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to entertain it. I don't want to embrace it. As the Rebbe said many times over and over that it's not rational. It doesn't make sense that Hashem can't do it in a way of kindness and goodness. So I'm saying this because it is obvious that the sikhah to embrace emotionally is very difficult. But we know the Yemis, that Hashem is good, and ultimately, and very soon, we'll celebrate it, as the Rebbe says in this Sikh itself, that for 2,000 years, Tammuz was sad, and only close to Mashiach, it's revealing its real colors. For 2,000 years, it's idolatrous, and only close to Mashiach, it's revealing that this is Shem Havaya, this is the sunlight of Hashem. So it's already time that it should be in a way of openness and of only revealed goodness.